Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and our text this morning will be verses 12 to 19. Listen as we read the inerrant word of God this morning. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. There ends the reading of God's word this morning. Join with me as we pray before we work our way through this text this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given us that we might be able to understand your word. And we thank you that you have laid it out for us in a way that we can understand. And so this morning we pray that you will work in our hearts and confirm these truths to our heart and that we would be firm in them because your Holy Spirit has convinced us and that we are now having these as a fabric of who we are. And so we pray again that you would continue to mold us into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ as we are changed from glory to glory by your word of God this morning in your name. Amen. Well, we've we've started this chapter 15 on the resurrection. And we started really with maybe an idea that some of us didn't know and that this is primarily a text not about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that is good and true. But it is a, a text that is primarily here to tell us that, guess what? You will be resurrected. In other words, he's trying to convince the Corinthians that there is actually life after death and that it is not just a spiritual death, but it is a physical life. And again, we we talked last week how the Corinthians had been influenced by the various things in culture where some of them didn't believe in anything happened after death to some thought that they had a little piece of God in them and when they were born and then it was taken back to God. And so many of them really thought that that the body was evil, spiritual was good, and therefore there was... Actually, you wanted to get away from your body if you wanted anything good to happen. And so in fighting this whole idea, Paul begins to talk about physical resurrection, and he wants them to know that there is a physical resurrection. Now, if there was Jews in this audience, they should have probably been realized that there actually was a physical resurrection. And we talked about the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were Sadducee. And so they didn't believe it, but they should have. 
But of course, only taking the first five books of Moses, they would, they would reject Job. But Job made it clear that there was going to be what life after death. He says in Job 19.26, Though my skin worms destroy this body, yet my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. In other words, he says, I'm going to die. The worms are going to eat my body, but I'm going to still see God in my flesh. And so the idea of physical resurrection for people was already demonstrated in the Old Testament. This should have not have been new. But the Corinthians had been influenced again by their surroundings. And some of them were teaching that, guess what, there was no physical resurrection. And so Paul wants to make sure that they know there's a resurrection. And so he, he starts with the common ground of something that they all believe. They've all believed the gospel. They've all believed that Jesus Christ has been what? Raised from the dead. That is the gospel that they believed. And so Paul says, look, you've already believed that. And so he spends that first 11 verses really just going over that and making sure that they, they understand how central the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is to the gospel that they received. And so as he comes now and he's going to, into verse 12, he's going to now change it and he's going to say, listen, there's a problem among you, and it's in verse 12. He says, now if Christ is preached, and that's the same one that was preached in the, in the first 11 verses, that Christ was buried, that he was raised according to the scriptures, that's the gospel that they believed, that's the one that they preached to them, and, and that's the one that they received, that's the one that they believed. He says, if Christ is preached, and th that he has been raised from the dead, and you guys all agreed with that, and you guys took that, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And he's saying, there's something incongruent here. There's something wrong with your thinking. And I really entitled this sermon, The Logic of Bodily Resurrection. He says, there's some logical conclusions that you need to come to. You've already believed in a gospel that Jesus was raised from the dead now you're saying there is what? No bodily resurrection. There's something wrong here. And so now Paul is going to list for us seven logical conclusions that come out of the denial of bodily resurrection. He says, here's some, here's some conclusions, some consequences, as it were, if you deny the phys physical resurrection. And he says, the first logical conclusion is this. Christ is not raised. Christ is not raised. In other words, listen, Jesus Christ was a what? A man. Fully man. He was born of a woman, right? He took on the form of a man. In fact, we couldn't even tell anything about him. He wasn't some phantom. He wasn't some uh, something that vision, but he was a, a man fully in flesh. He lived a full life. He ate, he drank, he grew. He learned. And he says, 
if you say there's no resurrection for, any, for anybody else, for, or no resurrection of the body, wait a minute, you've already accepted a gospel that said that Jesus Christ was what? Raised. One guy's been raised. And if you say that, he, that there is none, then Jesus Christ himself isn't raised. Your logic is off here. You've already said he has been, so there is physical resurrection, and yet you're saying they're not. And he says, if you say there isn't any, then Christ isn't raised. In other words, you have a dead Savior. You have a Savior that can't save. You've got a Savior that's still in the ground. Scripture's clear that he was a man that he lived here on earth. He suffered sorrow and grief and pain. He was beaten, he was whipped, he was nailed to the cross. He was fully human. And so he says, here's the first devastating impact that happens when you deny the resurrect, deny bodily resurrection. You actually deny the very fact that Christ has been raised. You can't have both. You can't say, I believe Jesus was raised from the dead and say there's no physical resurrection because Christ claims to have been what? Raised from the dead. And in fact, we saw very clearly that he was in verses 1 to 11. You could say it this way. Their philosophy, what? Dead men don't rise. Jesus was a dead man. He didn't rise. And he says, here's the devastating consequences of you teaching that there is no physical resurrection. Christ isn't raised. Well, that's the first logical conclusion, but he says then there's, there's other logical conclusions that come off of that. Because if Christ isn't raised, and maybe you could say that this is the biggest of the logical conclusions, because if Christ isn't raised, then everything that we're about to say, the logical conclusions, flow from the fact that he's not raised. He says the next logical conclusion then is that your preaching is vain. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. In other words, if Christ isn't raised, we've been preaching a gospel and the content of that gospel includes the fact that Jesus Christ has been raised. And so we have been preaching an empty gospel. It is a gospel that is, has false content in it. And we have, we have given you a gospel that is, cannot save you because it is false. It's a hoax. We've told you that he was raised from the dead. We told you that was necessary for the gospel. And yet, what we've preached to you is just empty. It's lacking content. It's lacking anything that is of truth. And so what we preach to you is worthless. 
it's worthless. Then he says, not only is our preaching vain, he says your faith is foolish, or your faith is vain, it's empty. In other words, we came and we preached a gospel that was void of content, and you, and with false content, and you put your faith in it. You put your faith in something that is factually incorrect. It's a lie. It's useless. And putting your faith in it is equally useless. We have taken our hand, as it were, and we've reached out and we grasped a God that isn't there because he didn't, he's not alive, he's dead. We put faith in, in the fact that he, would, he was a risen Savior with power and he's what? He's not. You may as well say, as the psalmist says, I have cleansed my heart in vain. I believed in vain. I put my, my trust in something. I've labored in vain, as Isaiah said. I've spent my strength for nothing. And so he says, you have believed your faith is in vain. It's empty. It's empty of content. It's empty of anything of value. You could almost put it this way. We preached, we gave you false doctrine. We gave you doctrine and you put your faith in that doctrine and it's false. And you've ended up with nothing at all. You've ended up with nothing at all. Your faith is vain. The third logical conclusion is simply this, or fourth, I mean. We are false witnesses, or we could say the apostles are made false witnesses. He says in, in this verse here, he says this. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ is raised, and he says, and Christ has not been raised, and our preaching is vain, your faith is vain, moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. He says, here's the logical con another logical conclusion. If the dead are not raised, then we as apostles who came to you, the we here, is back to verse 11, whether it was I or they who preached, so you believed. He says, we brought you the gospel. And he says, we brought this gospel to you and we are false witnesses. We are false witnesses. Now, you've got to think about this. It's not just that they were good intended men who got it wrong. You know, your tendency is to say, oh, well, they were good men. They followed Christ. They just happened to get it a little bit wrong, right? They, were, they just veered a little bit. Good intentions, but they bad results. But what Paul is saying here by false witnesses, it has the idea of purposely deceiving. In other words, it's not just that we were false witnesses and we were like, oh, sorry, but we purposely deceived you. Now think about it. If the disciples knew 
that Jesus Christ was not raised. They are the ones who came and testified to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They would have had to get together. They would have all had to agree together that they were going to tell this lie. They were going to say that Jesus Christ was raised, and so we're going to get ourselves together. We're going to, we're going to get our stories together and we are purposely going to deceive people so that we will get a following after the Lord Jesus Christ and maybe give ourselves power. And so he says, we, 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 are, we are found to be false witnesses. We have deliberately deceived people. We, did, we, weren't, we weren't innocent bystanders, but the, the apostles themselves are purposely Outright liars is what he's saying. That's who we are. You, they're charlatans, they're phonies, frauds, giving false testimony. Now this isn't just a small detail because this ultimately wrecks the whole gospel. It devastates it all. And he says, if this is true, if the dead are not raised, then we have actually maligned God. We've lied to you, but we've maligned God because we have said something about God that is not true. We testified against God that he raised Christ. In other words, if the dead are not raised, then God says the dead are not raised. Therefore, we are what? We are actually maligning the character of God if Jesus Christ is not raised. If, there's, if, 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 only, if there's no physical resurrection, then we actually malign God because we're attributing to God something that he doesn't do. Now, that's pretty serious. We are, we are attributing to God something that he does not do and something he did not do. And so we make out God to be a liar because we are telling everybody that God did something that he didn't. So Paul says the logical consequence is that you ultimately uproot the very foundations of Christianity because you find out that the very men who are responsible for the church, the very ones who wrote scriptures themselves lied about this, which means what? You can't trust anything else they say. You can't trust anything else they say. If they would lie about this, why should we believe anything else? And so he says, here's a logical conclusion. We ourselves are found out to be liars. So he says, Christ is not raised. Preaching is in vain. Faith is in vain. The apostles are false witnesses. And fifthly, he says, we're still in our sins. We're still in our sins. He says... For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And again, he re reiterates the same point as he emphasizes it. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. This is a different word than vain. 
Here it means unable. The word worthless here has, means it cannot come to a good result. In other words, there's no fruit. It, it's not able to lead to anywhere of value. It's the, kind of the idea of aimlessness, unproductive. We could say it this way. It describes an ineffectual attempt to do something or an unacceptable effort to attain something. And he says, your faith is worthless to attain anything. And he says, and here's really a description of that faith, that worthless faith that's unable to attain anything. The last time we talked about it being vain, we said it was empty. And here it says it's unable to actually accomplish anything. And he says, here's one of the accomplishments that it cannot do. You are still in your sins. In other words, your sins are not forgiven. He says, if Christ isn't raised, then you are still in sin. And, and the idea here is you are still in the sphere of sin and the fact that you are still controlled by sin. Sin still is your, you are still a slave to sin. This is the area in which you live. When you come to salvation, you're in Christ. Before that, you're in sin. And it is, the, it is the thing that controls you and moves you. You're still under the, what, the punishment of sin. In other words, you still are responsible for the wages of sin is death. In other words, you are still under that penalty and the curse of sin. And he says, if Christ isn't raised, you're still there. You're still children of wrath. You are still under God's judgment. Romans 4 tells us, Therefore, if it was also credited to him as righteousness, now not for his sake only is it written that it is credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it, is, it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Now listen to this. He was delivered over because of our transgression and raised because of our justification. In other words, this. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross and facing the wrath of God was not sufficient for your salvation. What? I'll say it again. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the, on the cross for sin was not sufficient for your salvation. When Jesus said, it, was, it is finished, he was saying, I am finished my work on earth. But the reality is that unless Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, then Satan won, death won, sin won, and it would have conquered our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember, we talked about Isaiah that it pleased God to crush Jesus. It pleased him to put our sins on him. But ultimately, what? He gave him life. And it is because Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected that it demonstrates the Father's pleasure and satisfaction in the death of Jesus Christ for sin. And it is necessary for our Lord Jesus Christ to be raised in order for sins to be forgiven. And Paul says, you think there's no physical resurrection, which means Jesus Christ is not raised, 
which ultimately means you still face the penalty of sin. You still are in your sin, and you will still face the wrath of God. You are still a children of wrath. Pryor says, if he was not raised from the dead, he is not Lord of anything. If life here on this earth is all there is, it makes no sense to base our happiness on this groundless promises of one who made empty assertions about eternity. If a Christian's faith is based on the empty gospel of fraudulent savor, anybody is better off than the Christian. And so he says, listen, here's the logical consequence of nobody being raised. Because if nobody's, no, if there's no physical resurrection, Jesus Christ is not raised, Jesus Christ is not raised, we preach to you in vain, your faith is in vain, you've made us, we were liars, and ultimately, you are still, ha- do not have your sins forgiven. God has not forgiven sins because Christ has been conquered by sin and death. And so you too are hopeless if Jesus Christ is not resurrected. Sixthly, the logical conclusion is simply this. We have lost all who have gone before. We have lost all who have gone before. He says, then those also having fallen asleep in Christ have perished. More bad news. More bad news. There are those who have lived for Jesus Christ. For the believer, we say, death, where is your sting, right? Because Christ is going to come and raise us up. Christ promised to raise all who came to him. He says, I will lose nothing. I will raise them up in the last day. And he says, we have gone to funeral after funeral of our believing friends and relatives and family and we have rejoiced because we have had joy in the fact that we will see them again and that they will be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have have held on to that hope that we would see them again. But he says the reality is if Christ isn't raised, none of that is true. Everyone who died in Christ, believing that preaching and having that vain faith and, and having a worthless faith that left them in sin is what? In hell. Under the judgment of God without hope. They have perished. They have perished just like the, the unbeliever. And he says, all those who have who are fallen asleep. And again, that fallen asleep is, is a word that's used for believers. It's always used for believers. Sleep, right? Because we, when you go to sleep, what's the expectation? 
you're going to wake up, right? So the expectation for the believer is, yes, he dies, he goes into the grave, but he's sleeping. He's not there permanently. He's there. He's going to what? Wake up. And he says, those people who, are, who have gone to sleep don't realize that if Christ is not raised, guess what? And there's no physical resurrection. They're not in a coma. They're dead. They're dead. They're not going to be wake up. At least they're not going to wake up in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. They have perished. They have eternal destruction. And instead of grasping the promises of eternal life, and all Jesus said, I'll come for you. I'll prepare a place for you. All of that is what lies. It's false. And rather than that, we have a group of people who are simply gone forever. There's no physical resurrection. They're consigned to death, completely destroyed. So they're either in all in the ground dead or in hell. They're gone forever. We'll never see them again. Simply, people come to an end. And then he says the last logical conclusion is we are to be most pitied. To be most pitied. If I hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. We are fools, building our lives and hopes on the corpse of a dead man. In other words, he says, look at us. I mean, people from the outside must just look at you and say, what fools. Here are you people, you're scurrying around, being all righteous, trying to be better than everybody else, and you're sacrificing, and you're, you know, we're robbing you, and you're, saying, you're giving us blessings, and we're taking advantage of you, and it's okay. You don't fight back. Look at you, your boring little lives. You've got your boring little meetings. Well, we're all out having fun right? All tied down and your hat's on tight. What boring lives. You don't live at all. And you've lived this boring little life. Walking around with that funny look in your eyes when you talk about Jesus. Really kind of, you look a bit retarded. Are we allowed to use that word? Mentally challenged, but you look, you look, you look a little off, right? And you're saying, it's okay. It's okay. In the next life, things are going to be better, right? You'll get yours coming. We know God's the righteous judge. This is not our home after all, right? We've got heaven to look forward to. And people just look, wow. I mean, truly, if there's no resurrection of the dead and Christ does not be raised, then we are to be pitied, right? Because this is all there is. This is it. And so Paul says, if, Christ, if there is no physical resurrection, Christ is not raised, and if he's not raised, then you're pitiful. 
you're, t- you're, you're to be pitied, right? And I think we all know that we would rather have someone be angry at us than pity us. There's nothing worse than pity, right? And he says, yeah, that's who you are. You are to be pitied. And so Paul has given us really here a very logical laying out. You know, he talked earlier in, in, this, in the scriptures that they needed to be mature of mind to be able to think things through. And Paul says, listen, here is a lesson in logic. Here's a lesson in holding two views that are opposed to one another. As Christians, we need to have a cohesive worldview. And he says, here's a, a, in, uh, a worldview that is not compatible together. You on one hand are saying Christ is raised, and I believe that gospel, and yet you say on the other hand, actually people aren't raised from the dead. And he says, you can't have both. And you haven't actually, and we talked about this last week, the Corinthians had not taken the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and applied it to their own life. They hadn't seen how the consequences were for them. And so Paul says, here's, here's some reason, here's some logical conclusions if Christ isn't raised. This is how it applies to you. Big trouble. Your Christianity is worthless. Your Christianity is worthless without the resurrection. And guess what? It is worthless if you're not raised. If you're not raised physically. And so Paul says, and and he said right in the very beginning in verse 12, he says, now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do among of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And just so you think, you know what, pastor? I think he's talking about spiritual resurrection. That's what he's talking about. Well, in the Greek, there's no the before dead. There's no the before dead. Literally translated, you could say there's no resurrection of the corpses. There's no resurrection of the corpses. In other words, he's making it abundantly clear he's talking about physical resurrection. And so he says, the logical conclusion, if there's no physical resurrection, you're dead in your sin. Your Christianity's worthless. And I just want to remind us this morning as we go back, you were created, what? Body and soul. You were created body and soul. God intended you to live for what? All eternity in body and soul. When he created Adam and, Adam and Eve, he created Adam as what? A living soul in a what? Body. Never, they were not to be separated. And we always say the beginning determines the end. Christ chose you, you will be saved. God placed you in a physical body with the spirit. You will, you will for all eternity be in a physical body with the spirit, your spirit in a physical body. Maybe a renewed body, but nevertheless a physical body. And so Paul says, recognize the illogic Corinthians of denying a physical resurrection for yourself because ultimately it undermines 
the gospel, that, the saving gospel that we gave to you. Let's close in prayer this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we again uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul's clarity here as he lays out the consequences of not believing in a physical resurrection. And we praise and thank you that there is a physical resurrection, that our Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected, and that it's because he is raised that he will now live to intercede for us and that we will he will raise us up and that we will enjoy eternal life forever with god so we praise and thank you for this may we recognize the greatness of the resurrection of our lord jesus christ and how it ensures our future salvation as well in your name amen